Hello and thank you for listening to episode 484 of 60MW. I'm Dave and this is another of our interview shows. And in this one, I am absolutely delighted to spend some time with Phil Tippett, a man who needs no introduction whatsoever. Uh, the time I spent with him was to chat about uh, Mad God, a project that he's had going for 30 years. And if you don't know anything about it, well, please have a read up, but please buy the Blu-ray exclusively by Shudder that is released on December the 5th, the day that I'm releasing this show. So here you go. Listening to this, get online, order it. It'll be with you the next day and then you can watch it. It is a visual and audio treat. Wow. As you'll hear when I'm talking to him, there's so much to take in. You can't do it in one viewing. It's It's got to take multiple viewings to watch it all. And on top of that, you've got some fantastic extras that we uh, have a quick chat about as well. So, yeah, make sure if you haven't seen it already, Mad God from Phil Tippett. Uh, yeah, I, w- I won't say any more. Have a listen to this interview. And then, like I say, go and buy the Blu-ray. You won't be disappointed. So, as always, sit back, relax, get comfortable and listen to me have a little bit of a chat with Phil Tippett all about Mad God. Hey, Phil. Hi. How are you? Uh, good. It's uh, sunny but cold here. Rarely gets cold. Now it's cold in California. <laughs> oh, what, what's cold in California now? Well, for us, <laughs> it's like, you know, what is this? This is probably like 50 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm stuck in the in the Welsh hills and it's... We can't see outside now. It's foggy and freezing and scraping ice off the car this morning. Uh, yeah, no, we never have to deal with that. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I've got to begin, Phil. I watched uh, Mad God just a few nights ago, and I loved it. I really loved okay. it. I am so glad that you got to finish it, and we've got the finished product in front oh, of us me now. Too. <laughs> I bet you are. And it was one of the things I loved about it was I had got no idea what was going to happen next. So many films I watch these days and within 10, sometimes 15 minutes. And you can sort of plan out plot points, yeah. what's going to happen, how it's going to end. I love that with with Mad God, it was from minute to minute. I didn't know what was going to happen. And it was brilliant. Well, yeah, I mean, the form that I chose was um, during the period of Mad God, I was a very prolific dreamer. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I... I would write down uh, pretty extensive dreams and what happens like in the morning say you're you're having breakfast with your family and you go like oh i have this really weird dream and it's like blah 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 and you forget about it mm-hmm. but you know i started writing these things down and um then after you know a few weeks or months i would go back and look at them and i'd say in over 50 percent of them I could see that there was a, like a three-act structure, and in the beginning, um, proposition would uh, would come up, and in the middle, uh, it would be very murky, and at the end, there would be a conclusion to the you know, original proposition in some you know vague form. Yeah. And when you're translating a dream into text into writing. You know, it's a weird combination between 
memory. I, I mean, every time you change your form, everything changes. And, and so to translate from, you know, the unconscious dream world to, you know, the page, there's a weird transformation that takes place. And I'm convinced that that is the result of uh, storytelling being in our DNA, yeah. no matter what you call a story, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and so as, as you're mentioning, the conventional three-act structure narrative, um, to me, a lot of it, uh, well, I mean, it all comes from, you know, the history of literature and all that. Um, but there are so many ways that you can go about, you know, um, plugging that into a different voltage and, and getting something completely different. And, you know, that, that really helped me with Mad God, you know, because if the beginning is a proposition, the middle part that's murky is like your unconscious yeah. working to solve the problem uh, at the end. And so I rely totally on my unconscious. And I, I, I have really done that all my life, so I don't worry about anything that much. Um, yeah, I, I just give it a lot of breathing room. And, you know, if, uh, you know, I mean, for these things, you can't, I mean, you can't do that on the day job with a schedule and a budget and yeah, all that. Yeah. You know, on my personal projects, I, I can allow myself that luxury. Has anything come to you in a dream or otherwise since the completion of this where you thought, well, that would have been good <laughs> to fit into it? No, I never used anything for my dreams at all. It was just, you know, it was just, you know, that discovery that, you know, was important to me. And, um, I was reading an article with, uh, who wrote The Sandman? Oh, um, Neil Gaiman. Right on the, Neil Gaiman. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he was being interviewed in an article, and uh, the same thing that happened to me happened to him when mm -hmm. he completed Sandman. And that is that during that the projects, we dreamt prolifically. And when the projects ended, it stopped. The yeah. dream stopped on on that level. So it was clearly, you know, we we're dialed into, you know, the unconscious because both projects really, you know, um, totally rely on that. Yeah. So I mean, that was interesting. That that's not, you know, was not, you know, particular to me, and, and I'm sure it happens to many other people. And we, we got sent in advance the the Blu-ray that's coming out on the, I think it's the 5th of December. Oh, how does that look? It looks, it. it looks incredible. It really does look good. Um, the detail that you get in this is, oh, is amazing. You know, picture quality-wise, it sounds fantastic. And you can really pick up on on the, the detail and the work that you and your team put into it as well. So, it you know, it, it does it proud, definitely. And I know because one of the really good things, I watched it as well with the commentary because it's you and uh, Guillermo del Toro. And it's a, mm -hmm. it's a really interesting and entertaining uh, commentary too. And so many nuggets of information were coming in. And one of the things you were saying was of how you began filming this on 35 millimeter. And then, of course, there was came to a halt and then you carried on with, with digital 
do you think this would have ever come together at all if, if it wasn't for digital, if it continued? No, no, ab absolutely not. I mean, to me, film was always a necessary evil. I mean, I actually hated it, <laughs> you know, because it was so slow Yeah, in terms of what you had to do, and particularly for uh, effects, you know. It was just a glacial vertical climb <laughs> all the time. And uh, no, with digital, you know, I forgot how to use a light meter, you know? I mean, it's just, it's like doing a painting and you just set up a shot and just adjust as you go and make a picture. Yeah. I mean, in this digital age as well, you know, we're in an age where as an audience, you can pause things and you can look at them back in the day. I remember, you know, cause I'm a child of the sixties, grew up watching films from the seventies. My dad took me to the cinema and got me hooked on, on film. And back then, if you wanted to watch a film, you went to the cinema. Occasionally, there'd be one on the TV, whereas now you can watch a film. You can watch them on the phone, but I would never do that. I want a big screen. Well, that's something Dennis and I have talked about quite a bit, um, which is uh, I think we were really lucky in that regard mm -hmm. that we had a limited amount of um, information that had to exist in our memories. Uh, and we didn't have that immediate, you know, you know, um, dollop of candy, you know, we mm -hmm, just had yeah. to, you know, remember and use our imaginations. And as a consequence that really, you know, somewhat forced us into this position of just wanting to needing to imagine things rather than copy things. Yeah. And, um, I, I think that, that, you know, um, lack of ability to satiate yourself with, you know, whatever, you know, was, uh, a blessing and a curse. So, uh, and I think in our case, it really ended up being a, a blessing. Mm -hmm. And it is with this, with the Blu-ray a few times on the second viewing, because I watched it more than once. And you can pause it and you can see the work that's gone into the sets, into the character designs and, and everything. It was, was that any more pressure for you, knowing that there's an audience out there who love your work so much that they'd be going, oh, I can pause this and, and see everything so clearly? Can it, you step through it frame by frame? Yes, you can, yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, you know, I, I, I uh, um, sent, you know, Paul Verhoeven the first three chapters that we did in Kickstarter, and, and he wanted to, uh, um, I sent him a link. Yeah. And he wanted to have it in DVD so he could step through it frame by frame. <laughs> yeah, and then he he's, he's you know, he looked at the first three episodes and say when I said when I make my Jesus movie, I want you to do the scene where Jesus meets Satan. <laughs> I need to see that <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, good luck. And the set, like I said, the sets are incredible. I mean, what was what was the biggest set that you worked on? Because the sense of scale that you get, some of them look huge. I, well, some of them were, I mean, for miniatures, they weren't, you know, kind mm, of, yeah, yeah, not that big, but the scene where um, you're pulling back and there are all these skulls and there are these big yeah. whale like things that are being flayed and then the train comes and blah, blah, blah. That was maybe a 20 plus foot set that was probably about. 10 feet high. Whoa. 
you know and so that was big and then the the alchemist at the very end his his lab was maybe about eight feet by six feet something like that or eight by eight yeah. i forget is it more- and then of course you know for for that that stuff uh you know for everything you have to build in two scales, you know, one for the the miniatures and the one because I, you know, used a, a collage approach. It was really influenced by Carl Zeman, and and I cut a lot between live action and and uh, stop mo. Yeah, and it does it work. It works so well because again, I knew nothing about it going into it, and then of course, obviously, I was expecting the stop motion, but then when the live action and everything come in. It was, again, it's something that took me off guard all the way through, which is one of the things that endeared me to it, that it was just, it was well, always Well, that, that was, uh, you know, partially, you know, an intention that I, I discovered along the way. And usually I don't really work that much from intention, you know, just kind of like the unconscious be my guide. But, you know, as things develop, you start seeing patterns. And, you know, I... I pretty much early on launched into this approach where I wanted to, you know, douse the image with so much detail mm-hmm. and kind of oblique action that once you cut to the next shot or scene, you kind of immediately forgot what you saw before, <laughs> you know, and it, and so it just it keeps you present, yeah. you know, uh, in the moment rather than like you're saying, the expectation of oh they're gonna fall in love, I yeah, know that yeah. guy's killed it, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean it, it definitely does that, and also the the grittiness of it and how how dirty it is and visceral and hits you there was things that come on screen and i don't want to spoil it for obviously for people that haven't seen it yet and from the beginning there's things that happen and i was went wow this is good this is like you you know phil's not afraid to go anywhere with with this which which going back to the commentary quickly was really funny it just made me laugh even more where you talked about where you were in the cinema and uh, of course people had seen it was you know it's an animated film and phil tippett and some of the films that you're associated with and I think it was two kids that you said were about six and eight that were brought in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I can just imagine the parents' face after yeah, I've seen did, this now. They did not last very long, that's for sure. <laughs> but was there anything Was there anything at all that was maybe too much for you? You, you thought, I can put this in, but that's, that's going too far. I think I might know the answer to this already because there's, there's some fantastic stuff. No, I, no, absolutely not, you know. I mean... Um, there is one shot, you know, we, we have we have to go through this thing, you know, where, you know, we have to vet a lot of stuff. Yeah. Got to make sure the mu- music rights and this, that, and the other thing and go, go through and, um, you know, mark things that could be problematic. Yeah. And there was this one <laughs> shot, if you recall, where the assassin character sees this kind of creepy house up on the hill mm-hmm. and uh his his camera zooms in and there are three uh windows that have images in them mm-hmm. and the first window there's a silhouette of alfred e newman from mad magazine and it, what we had to redo was i 
I wanted something funny. <laughs> and um, and so I thought, well, you know, it would be funny. Because it was always this balance between beauty and ugliness, yeah. you know, and, and making that, you know, you know, simultaneous, you know, in, in many shots and scenes. And so what I did was I just, I mean, it took me off and on weeks of looking for porn and trying <laughs> and trying to find something funny. Yeah. And it was just like, there's nothing funny in that shit. <laughs> but, you know, you look, you know, you just keep mining. And I just ran across this, you know, penis falling out of a vagina. And it was like, well, that, that's <laughs> silly. And so I put that in. And that was like, okay, they're not going to let us get away. Oh, no, actually, they caught it. We didn't say anything. We always said, oh, you guys tell us what's wrong. And um, so what the guys did was uh, we we have like a you know, hot dog place, Casper's Hot Dogs. It's yeah. a chain that's in the Bay Area. And they got a hot dog bun and a hot dog, and they duplicated the shop with a... <laughs> Hot dog falling out of the pot. <laughs> and then the other one that nobody caught is in the um, roll up to uh, with the zombies to the Alec, uh, to the Alex Cox scenes. There's the cameras panning past these zombies, and in the background, you get a very quick glimpse, maybe only thirty six frames, of Vladimir Putin fucking D Donald Trump. <laughs> Yeah, and I and I got you know these six scale models of these guys that were pretty realistic. You know, do you still do you still have those models? Oh, they're somewhere in the box. I never throw anything away. Wow, that's that's so good. Because, like I said, there's so much to watch out for. It does warrant like multiple viewings. You like you said, you pick up. There's so much going on that you just want to watch it again and and pick it up and concentrate on a different bit of the frame maybe because there's so much to take in you can't take it all in in one viewing no no yeah. certainly can't and um just finally before we wrap it up, well a couple of things before we wrap it up phil um happiest i know this that this movie broke you and again i encourage everybody to listen to the commentary and all the extras on it and the, you know the story of what happened to to you phil and, and how it did break you but just flipping it just to one side, what was what was the happiest memory looking back on the completion of this film? Is there any particular day or shot? No, there was. Yeah, I ended was it up all pain? That. Was it all pain? I ended up hating the fucking thing, <laughs> and 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 that didn't end. You know, I, the first two film festivals I entered in it was Berlin and something else, and was rejected. I and couldn't I believe like, okay, that. Here wow. we go. Yeah, you know, I got really depressed and. Um, and uh, and then Locarno, you know, where it premiered, it was like, okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I felt like I was sitting on dynamite. And wow. uh, yeah, then it just took off from there. You know, they did one screening and then people heard about it and they mm -hmm. did another screening and more people heard about it and then they did another screening. And that's what happened at all the film festivals. And then when it um, got a limited release in the States, um, it's um you know it's uh you know it, it makes money so they keep doing multiple screenings 
Great. And now it's about to open in Japan. And they're doing a big, you know, deal with huge posters. And they're coming out with swag. And I just saw today on the internet, they came out with Mad God Mushroom Hot Sauce. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> now, there's Italian. <laughs> yeah. Well, as, as a cinephile and a collector, I'm so glad it's getting this physical release. It, like I said, it looks and sounds great. It's got fantastic extras on it. And just to finish off, because I know we're coming to the end of our time, Phil, I just wanted to, on a personal note, I just wanted to thank you for all of the work you and your team, the enjoyment you've given me and millions of others across the, the world all these years. You've you've made me very happy as a movie watcher and you've given me some really good times sat in the dark in the cinema. So I just wanted to take a, a second to, to personally yeah, say no, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. And you know what? It was all a lot of fun. You know, there were a few terrifying moments like how fuck am I going to do Starship Troopers? <laughs> but other than you know, that, it was like, it was good because I was really lucky. I drank the good wine, you know, and I had, you know, 800 pound gorilla, you know, directors that um, really stood behind you, you know, and, you know, made sure you got what you needed to do to make their films look good. Oh, that's good. Well, I look forward to, I know you're doing a lot of writing now. I look forward to anything that you do, Phil, I look forward to. So long may you continue doing it too. Well, yeah, there's hopefully uh, there's some interest now maybe in the sequel to Mad God that will be nothing like Mad God. <laughs> not going to do that again. But, um, yeah, hopefully I can get back going. That's great. Well, thanks for your time, Phil. I've loved talking to you. Thank you so much. Okay, my pleasure. Bye. All right, bye-bye. And the alarm bell, as always, brings to an end another interview show. And while this is just an audio show with Phil. I was lucky enough to have him on video on Zoom while I was chatting to him. So what a pleasure for me as a huge fan of his work, as you heard for so many years, to be able to see Phil, to be able to chat with him. It was uh, an absolute pleasure for me. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to the show. If you have, there's lots more interview shows available. There are lots more other format shows available. As I always explain, 60MW as uh, an audio buffet where you can pick and choose whatever you like, be it interview shows, shows about music, in-depth luck into movies, video games, there's all sorts. Please visit 60mw.co.uk, numerical 60, not alphabetical. Have a browse around, there's lots on there, as well as all of the various podcasts that we do. Uh, and subscribe, however you may listen to podcasts. Another thing you can do, which really helps, tell your friends about us. If you've got friends that are into any form of entertainment, uh, maybe they enjoy interviews, maybe they enjoy listening to chats about video games or movies, share what we do if you enjoy it. Uh, share what we do if you don't enjoy it. Maybe other people will. I don't know. But that's a, a really easy way that you can help us out. The next episode that I'm releasing later this week, it's another interview show. This time we're going into music and I'm going to be chatting with Mark Bowles all about the new Ring of Fire album, Gravity. And then, depending on when you listen to this, if you are a keen 60MW listener, thank you very much, uh, we'll, we, bleh, we will be trying to talk properly without making any mistakes. Uh, and uh, we'll be closing for the year on Friday, I think it's Friday the 16th of December, and then we come back on January the 2nd. We take our annual holiday break so a few more podcasts to fit in between now and then so again thank you for listening i'll be back in just a few days time chatting with mark bowles uh, and yeah go and watch mad god let me know what you think <laughs>